thousands, maybe tens of thousands of people are now completely priced out of the market because they followed that dickhead's advice. Welcome to the podcast where entrepreneurs go to learn about alternative retirement investing strategies and structures and all things related to planning a successful, prosperous retirement. If you're self-employed, if you're a gig worker or solopreneur, you've come to the right place to learn how to retire wealthier, retire sooner, and retire happier. This is the Rogue Retirement Lounge. Well, how about that? The old intro. Um, I don't think I've put that at the front end of one of these episodes for uh, at least a year, so that's kind of funny. Um, I think I need a new one. That's kind of dorky now that I've listened to it after a long absence. Anyway, hey, everybody. Um, today is going to be just a little bit of doom and gloom for you. And I'm not going to be repeating headlines and you don't have to go far to see signs that we are heading towards some kind of recessionary period. There's tons of sky is falling pundits out there like Harry Dent who have been saying that we've got dark times ahead, well, for a decade. But I think it's become kind of consensus that shit's about to get real. And um, so today I'm going to share with you some things that I have observed that are kind of more subtle indications that things are not good. Um, some of them are a little bit more overt, but some of them are, are kind of, like I say, subtle. So anyway, first up, uh, from last Tuesday's Wall Street Journal, the headline is, Wall Street is ready to scoop up commercial real estate on the cheap. Okay. Now, you may or may not, may not have heard about uh, owners of shopping malls in San Francisco just giving the keys back to the bank um, and uh, and uh, firms that own office buildings literally just giving them back to the bank and stopping paying. But um, but I found this this to be a interesting take on what is the collapsing CRE market. So real quick, I just want to read a couple little blurbs out of this. So it starts out with uh, Wall Street firms are raising new funds to acquire office buildings, apartments, and other troubled commercial real estate, looking to scoop up properties at a fraction of the price investors paid a few years ago. Cohen and Steers, Goldman Sachs, EQT Exeter, and BGO, formerly known as Bental Green Oak uh, are among the prominent names raising billions of dollars for funds to target distressed assets and other real estate with slumping values, according to regulatory filings. Quote, the last few weeks, I've been saying, holy mackerel, they're coming out of the woodwork, said Kevin Gannon, uh, chief executive of Robert A. Stanger and Company, an investment banking firm that tracks real estate fundraising. The new funds are seeking to capitalize on one of the most troubled commercial property markets in decades. Values have nosedived since interest rates spiked last year, driving up borrowing costs in the highly leveraged business. The office market, one of the largest sectors, has also been clobbered by a sluggish return to office rate which has sent vacancy rates soaring. Apartment buildings, uh, which had been an investor haven in the past, look vulnerable as owners try to refinance at much higher rates. Mall owners are contending with steep value declines, some of more than 70% in the last few years. 
it goes on. Many of the new funds, such as those being raised by Invesco and Cohen and Steers, are targeting individual investors. Smaller investors have shown an enormous appetite for property investment in recent years, especially with the growth of the non-traded real estate investment trust industry, or REIT, uh, which raised about $100 billion in the last seven years. Okay, so they're giving you the opportunity to invest in some of this carnage through REITs. So uh, I, I found some info on the Invesco REIT. So uh, Invesco Real Estate today announced the launch of Invesco Commercial Real Estate Finance Trust, INCREF, a private fund focused on bringing private real estate credit to accredited investors by originating, acquiring, and managing a diversified portfolio of loans and debt-like preferred equity interests related to commercial real estate. INCREF is a non-exchange traded Perpetual Life Real Estate Investment Trust, REIT, and will offer its shares pursuant to SEC Rule 506C. Individual investors' demand for private markets continues to grow, and this new offering is the latest investment strategy in the Invesco real estate suite of solutions available for wealth management platforms. So um, if you are not an accredited investor, you are not eligible, but don't be sad because this isn't the first time that there has been a REIT that's been created kind of at the bottom to take advantage of a crumbling market. So I found an article on the street from November of 2008 that has the headline, New Property Fund Meets Distressed Market. Invesco PowerShares plans to launch the first actively managed U.S. real estate ETF this week, the PowerShares Active U.S. Real Estate Fund. The equity REITs index has fallen 41.2% this year, more than the S&P 500's 37.6 decline. Remember, this is I'm reading this from 2008. PowerShares views this drop as an opportune entry point, but the firm will need to pursue investors that this is the bottom. Okay, so we're seeing history repeat itself. Invesco put together a REIT uh, at the, um, the, during the 2008 crash. So you might be asking, how did that fund do? Well, apparently it did well because the average annual growth since inception has been a little over 13% annually. But it must have started out with a bang because the last 10 years, that average is down to just 6.5%. And over the last five years, it notches down to just over four. Okay, So if you do want to get into a REIT during distressed markets like we're having right now and like we're heading into, don't plan on making those a long-term hold, uh, as evidenced by this PowerShares REIT. And it's... Um, kind of diminishing returns as it will. Okay, back to the doom and gloom. Okay, so just how bad is the commercial property space? Well, uh, in a time when people should have returned to their offices and happily resume, resume their cubicle life, in a lot of cities, it definitely hasn't happened yet. According to Collier's, Portland, Oregon, my town's office uh, vacancy rate, including space available for sublet, was at 31.5% uh, in the second quarter of this year. That number is slightly better than San Francisco, which is 31.9%, but worse than Seattle, which is 27.9%, and Los Angeles, which is 30.9%. Salt Lake is only 19.9%, and Denver is at 23.4%. Uh, 
Anyway, you can't survive with a 30 plus percent vacancy rate. So here in Portland, uh, in our local uh, indie newspaper, they did a little article um, lamenting the current real estate crisis. And I'll share just a bit with you. In that article, Bob Ames, former president of First Interstate Bank of Oregon and a longtime investor in commercial property, thinks Portland is suffering more than most. Quote, the problem with downtown Portland is that you don't want to be in downtown Portland, he says. We've driven a lot of capital out of here and a lot of tenants. You're not going to book another major employer into this city for a decade. That is going on all up and down the West Coast. And it's sad that the contagion that happens when people don't go downtown to work has really hit Portland in the form of businesses and restaurants closing. Then you get more homeless people. Then more people don't want to come downtown for a night out or whatnot. Then more businesses close and so on and so on and so on. So the CRE meltdown is having ripple effects that are going to keep expanding in a lot of cities, um, but for some reason more intensely in blue cities. So it's going to get a lot worse before it gets a lot better, and it's going to affect a lot more sectors than just commercial real estate. So enough about commercial real estate for now. So what about homeownership for everyday Americans? So last week, uh, I get a newsletter from Anthony Pompliano, and uh, this email, his email from last week said this, housing has become unaffordable. This sentiment is pervasive throughout the country, regardless of geographic region, but just how bad is it? Fortune's Lance Lambert shared some scary statistics yesterday. Number one, if U.S. incomes spiked 69%, we'd return to pre-pandemic housing affordability levels. Two, if U.S. home prices fell 41%, we'd return to pre-pandemic affordability. Finally, if mortgage rates fell 4.3 percentage points from 726 to 2.96, we would return to pre-pandemic affordability. Lambert isn't predicting that these things will happen. Instead, he is highlighting how unlikely it is that housing will become affordable again in the United States. When high inflation hits an economy, asset prices go up and real wages go down. This spells disaster for people who are not wealthy or do not own a home. You add in the fact that the 30-year mortgage is now over 7.2%, and it becomes nearly impossible to make the math work for the average American family to achieve home ownership. So when I think back personally, me, Matt, when I look back at all the Dave Ramsey episodes that I listened to in 2017, 18, 19, and 20, where he told people, you know, you're not ready to buy a house if you have a couple grand in credit card debt or any student loan debt, rent until you're totally debt free, you get a six or nine month emergency fund. Then uh, you, you start saving for a down payment. Then then make sure you have at least 10% down. Thousands, maybe tens of thousands of people are now completely priced out of the market because they followed that dickhead's advice. So if you don't own a house and you're an average American, you're not going to be buying a house anytime soon. But what about current homeowners? What What's the situation there? Now, this little tidbit that I'm going to share 
doesn't come with any hard evidence, but the implicit message to me is very telling. So last week, uh, I got the following message in the form of a friendly email from a company called Faye Servicing, and that's the loan company that holds the mortgage on my Cincinnati rental house. Uh, so check out, this is the message from them. Dear client, the last few months have seen unprecedented levels of uncertainty in the marketplace, and we wanted to thank you for your continued relationship and take this opportunity to offer for you access to an exclusive marketplace for buying and selling off-market properties. Face Servicing has relationships with thousands of individual and institutional investors who are actively buying and selling off-market properties. We'd like to reward your loyalty by inviting you to connect with our network of investors. Please tell us more about your business. This information will then be used to match these unlisted properties with your investment criterion. We have created a friendly online form that will allow you to conveniently share with us what types of properties you may be interested in. Once we have received your submission, we can start the process of referring properties to you that align with your investment strategy. Should you be interested, we are also ready to assist you with your purchase or sale transaction and property management needs through our Genstone Realty and Genstone Management Affiliates. Don't let these opportunities go to someone else. Submit your information for review today. So what did this tell me? Well, they're starting to see their clients either be late on their payments or stop paying altogether. And so what they're doing is they're telling you what they're seeing the writing on the wall that people are becoming unable to or unwilling to pay their mortgages. And now they want to give people like me the opportunity to buy these mortgages up. So that was a just, I mean, wasn't an overt message saying, hey, the, the bottom's falling out of the market, but it was a little sign, just another one of these little signs that things are bad and things are about to get worse. So how bad are things becoming for Americans in an age where we have still the record low unemployment and presumably everyone's got a job because there's still help wanted signs at pretty much every business you drive past? Things should be great. But the more trouble on the horizon in the form of little hints. So auto repossessions. I saw a video come through Twitter the other day and some car industry guy said the auto repossessions are going up by 5% a month. Okay. So that means that in uh, five quarters, the number of repossessions is going to double that's bad. Okay. So people are starting to not pay their mortgages and people are starting to not pay their car loans. Okay. What about credit cards? So there was an article in CNN uh, or on CNN uh, on the 23rd of August that uh, the, the title was uh, Macy's sounds the alarm on credit card delinquencies. Macy's is warning of a spike in customers who are failing to make credit card payments, adding to the evidence of mounting financial stress on consumers. The iconic department store had anticipated delinquencies would climb following a post-COVID low, but Macy's management says it has been caught off guard by the magnitude of the uptick. Quote, the speed at which the increase occurred for us and the broader credit card industry was faster than planned. Adrian Mitchell, Macy's chief operating officer and chief financial 
officer told analysts during an earnings call on Tuesday, adding that this problem, quote, accelerated in June and July. The article continues, this situation is hurting Macy's business, driving down credit card revenue by 36% year over year and contributing to a quarterly loss, he said. Citing worsening consumer leverage metrics, Macy's is bracing for a further increase in bad debt in its credit card portfolio. Macy's blamed the jump in delinquencies on broader financial pressure, facing consumers and mounting debt levels. Mm. Consumer credit card debt topped $1 trillion during the second quarter for the first time on record, according to the New York Federal Reserve. Okay, so there's another little hint. Things are getting bad. People aren't able to pay their credit cards. Um, you know, another thing that I've been noticing uh, that is very similar to what happened in 2008 is I'm starting to see more commercials on TV for gold and silver and gold and silver coins. I'm also hearing them on podcast as well. And remember, I don't know if you will recall this, but back in 2008, there was you couldn't turn on the TV without seeing commercials for gold and silver coins. And they're sold as a hedge against economic collapse. So finally, my last little hint that things are getting bad came yesterday. Zillow Home Loans. Okay, you and I did not know that Zillow did home loans, but apparently they do have a home loan uh, division. Yesterday, they announced that they're offering 1% down payment on mortgages. Let that sink in. 1% down. So, which makes you start thinking about all those crazy loans, the um, ninja, no income, no job, no whatever credit uh, verification loans they were making in 2007 and 2008. So, to me, this announcement of a 1% down payment loan product is probably the scariest tidbit of all of these, just because it so rhymes with how things were before the great financial collapse of, you know, 2008, 2009. So I'm not sharing all this to say that the sky is falling. I'm not trying to be Harry Denton here. I just wanted to share some of these hints that are both overt and subtle that I'm seeing that foretell bad things. And what am I doing as a preventive measure or what am I doing to kind of uh, brace myself for this upcoming economic calamity? Surprise, surprise, every single cent is going into Bitcoin. I have holes in my socks because every single cent is going into Bitcoin. I'm not buying new socks. Um, I haven't had a haircut in four months because I'm putting everything I have in Bitcoin. Um, we will find out if I'm an idiot here in about, I believe, 15 months. But that's my plan and I'm sticking to it. And I hope you all have a great weekend and I will talk to you next time. Nothing in this podcast is meant to be financial, legal, or tax advice. Though there's some kick-ass information here, it's for informational purposes only. Take control of your retirement planning, but get professional counsel if you need tax, legal, or financial advice. For more content like this, join my mailing list at rogueretirementlounge.com. And if you have questions about retirement investing, entrepreneurship, business, or anything else, my email address is matt at rogueretirementlounge.com. 